Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to How to Health Radio with me, your host, Maddie Ray Cooper. And I am here today again with my very good friend, Teresa from Living Roots Wellness. And we have just been hanging out, having a great time, as we often do whenever we start to record a podcast. And then we just start having really good conversations and we go, oh, no, quick, we have to record. Um, so to just a quick, quick introduction for anybody that is not familiar with Teresa. Teresa, can you just tell us a little snippet about yourself, and then we'll dive back into what we were talking about? Yeah, I'm always <laughs> I always change how I describe myself because I feel like it's evolving the more that I evolve and change what I'm doing, which will definitely feed into our conversation today. But I tend to work with people with complicated chronic illness that are also aware that. Their thinking, their trauma, their thought patterns are impacting and maybe preventing them from healing. So the main tool I use is EFT tapping, but I also understand that nutrition is a big piece of it. We can't pretend to just do the brain or just focus on the thoughts and completely ignore nutrition, but most of the people I end up connecting with are so afraid of food and so reactive to food and have very significant food fears and stories that there is this beautiful unpacking to see, okay, well, what's a real symptom? What's maybe exacerbated by your thinking? How can we unpack this? And how can we start to shift your thought patterns to a place where you actually feel capable and confident in navigating the ups and downs that will even happen in a very healthy body? And that's a big piece of it. I think some people think that if they're if they were to be truly healthy, they wouldn't be having reactions or symptoms and they never get sick and they wouldn't be afraid of certain things, but I would say being human is so much more complicated that than that and it's more about releasing the identity of being sick, but your body is still going to need support and nourishment and help and emotional support and processing regardless of where you fall on that spectrum. So yeah, that's my job. I help you figure out <laughs> how to maybe think and nourish yourself in ways that feel good to you moment by moment, honoring your body's reactions, honoring your history, not based on someone's cookie cutter approach, but really what is relevant right now. And we're going to talk more about that today, I guess. <laughs> I'm so excited. I On that point, I just, I've been thinking about this recently and I, I want I'm like, what is my job? Like what, mm -hmm. you know, when you're trying to write a bio and you're like, how do I fit this into like a little small, you know, sentence or two? Um, and I was, you know, pondering that and I was like, I feel like what I actually am is almost like a translator for the body. Because a lot of us, you know, when we are kind of starting on this journey, we are experiencing symptoms, but we're not quite sure what those necessarily mean. And it's almost like what I... What my goal is, is to teach you like that, that language of symptoms. So you can kind of figure out on your own, oh, when I feel this way, it's, it maybe is because of this. And, you know, what I need to do is this. Um, and everyone's a little bit different, but it's like, that's the ultimate goal, I feel anyways, to just kind of have that communication with your body where you're, you kind of have that understanding where you're just kind of like, all right, we're on the same team. We, we understand each other's language and, you know, we can go on from there and, you know, navigate the healing journey. And that's a huge perspective shift too, because if you see it like your 
decoding this mystery and the body's speaking to you and asking for help and you get to be the one to help versus what's wrong with my body, my body's attacking me, my body's broken. Those are two very different states. And I more often than not see that when people like you describe, Maddie, see it like teamwork and starting to understand what their body is begging for and learning to offer that in a timely and compassionate way, that leads to what we're, I'm quoting, but healing. It's yeah. the understanding. And and so much of that is just noticing, okay, the body will ask for things. Yeah. Can you listen? Are you listening? Are you able to slow down enough to hear what the fatigue or the mast cell response is your body begging for? Who's to say? Yeah. And, you know, I, I just... Because I've been in both boats, right? Of You know, I got sick, and I think we both have a similar story where, you know, I initially got sick when I was 17. And, of course, you know, that's the end of the world for a teenager. You know, I was getting ready to go to college. It was my senior year of high school, and I really had that feeling of, you know, my body is preventing me from living the life that I want to have um, because I was just, you know, had a very strong identity with, like, these things that I was going to go do. And, um, you know, just kind of switching the perspective on that to kind of be like, you know, it's this is this is the journey that I'm meant to be on. This is something that I'm supposed to learn in this life. Um, and now, you know, looking more at my body as my partner um, and something that I'm grateful for. And so, you know, that has completely changed my experience with being sick this time. <laughs> From yeah. my mold experience versus yeah. um, being sick before. And it's so much more um, fulfilling, I think, to be able to just try to find. And you actually are one that has really helped to teach me this thought process is just kind of going through that. Like, what can I be grateful for today? What can I thank my body for today? Even on the days where I'm feeling just terrible, um, you know, I'm still grateful to like have this vessel um that really does try hard for me and wants to do well and is doing its best and you know so kind of having that relationship of more of you know like we're friends now instead of me being like gosh i can't do this this and this because i'm having these symptoms um and so i think you know that was one thing so we were having this whole big conversation and and going into all these juicy topics and i was like oh quick we got to record um but that was kind of you know, the the topic that we were circling um, before we started recording was just kind of the mindset shifts um, that you can have just throughout being sick. Um, and one of the things that we were talking about was uh, if you guys saw my Instagram post yesterday, I had a post about I just went on vacation um, and I have kind of a rule for myself now where I, when I go on vacation, it does not happen very often, but I eat whatever I want. And I go to all kinds of different restaurants. Um, I, you know, go out with my family and friends and I don't stress out about not eating gluten, not eating dairy, not eating seed oils, um, not eating high fructose corn syrup, you know, red 40, all of these things. Um, and it's, 
it's really been a shift because I definitely used to, um, and I mentioned this in the post, I used to literally bring my own food to a restaurant. <laughs> I would sit in the corner with like a spoon and like an avocado and I would sit <laughs> it's there. It's always the avocado. <laughs> it's always, always an avocado, the perfect meal. Um, yeah. I still stand by that. The avocado is the perfect food. Um, but, you know, it was just, and of course I would, I would deal with people, you know, getting frustrated with me or, you know, not understanding and um i would think you know well they just don't get it and now i kind of look back and i'm like you know there is there is a lot of value in just being able to have the freedom and i was missing out a little bit on something and of course you know it's nice to just have people kind of um try to understand you when you're in those moments Mm -hmm. um but you know looking back i'm like there is something that i could have gained from from learning from them um that just you know mealtime is a social event mm-hmm. um and it's it should be fun and you know there's eating i guess what i'm what i'm boiling this down um eating is not always necessarily about nourishing yourself it sometimes is about more than that maddie i am thinking because this is something you know i went through as well but for your process was it like a was there a moment where you realized, oh my gosh, I'm so tired of being the one to have to pack their avocado. I want to be a part of this social this social night. What was the first step to allowing yourself to maybe ease more into that? Because you are in such a different place now. And for the people yeah. listening that are thinking, oh my gosh, I want that freedom. I want to be able to eat whatever the heck I want but maybe feel terrified or maybe would have a very real reaction, what is the first step? That's a great question. Um, I'm asking it to myself. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I feel like thinking back, it maybe was even that being so uh, regimented and diligent still was not giving me the result that I wanted. Like, I still wasn't cured. Um, And I feel like, to an extent, I just got a little bit fed up. And, you know, I I think it was a little bit of that. um, And then I also have done a lot of healing just with my relationship with food. Um, I I haven't talked about this very much because, honestly, until very recently, it was, like, too triggering for me to talk about. But I went through, you know, I had very severe like disordered eating behavior food restriction for about 10 years that eventually did end up in me being very anorexic and very uh just afraid of all food like just and you know had a lot of like hatred toward my body body image issues a lot of body dysmorphia and just you know which i think a lot of us, like, that road is very easy to kind of fall down um, because it started out as there are no safe foods, you know, trying to diagnose Lyme disease when I was a teenager, and I went from eating literally Chick-fil-A every day um, and, like, jelly beans. I would keep jelly beans in the console, center console of my car. I had my car candy (laughs) that I would have just for the car. Um, but then all of a sudden it was like, well, we don't know what's wrong with you and it might be a food allergy. So you now cannot eat any foods. I had a list of like three foods that I could eat um, and then just kind of 
in trying to figure that out, learning how bad everything was. And, you know, so we took out gluten, we took out MSG, we took out dairy, we took out gums, we took out, you know, sugar and just all the things until eventually um, I would go into grocery stores and have full-blown panic attacks because I'd be like, there's yeah. nothing here that I can eat. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know we've talked about this, but you mm-hmm. have had similar experiences as well. Same, yeah. When you say full-on panic attacks, yeah, just it felt like buckets of tears, but true panic. And I remember when we first started talking about this, it was, it's kind of this idea that if you're home, your body is not safe. Of course, things that bring up the story or reinforce the story of I'm not safe, I can't eat anything, there's nothing for me here, I'm different, is just going to cause the nervous system to spasm. So it's right. no one's fault, anyone listening who is experiencing this, it's not your fault. But like Maddie was saying, you get to the point where you realize the rigidity might actually be making things worse because it's turned on the fear and hypervigilant centers of the brain and not turning them off. And that is not right. not the situation in which we heal in. Well, and even just, you know, I think it really helped my journey to go through, you know, the NTA program and to learn more about physiology and anatomy because then you learn you your body can't which which makes sense like it makes total sense when you learn well your body can't digest when it is in a state of stress because imagine you know as we evolved and everyone likes to use the example of running from a tiger if you're running from a tiger your body takes all of its energetic resources your your blood flow you know your cells and your metabolism and all of that goes to your extremities so that you can run away faster and it's going to bring you know the energy to your legs so you can run faster in your brain so you can think and it's going to you know process all of these stress hormones so you can get away from this this threat and as we evolved we had very black and white like you are running from a tiger. You are sleeping in your in your bed safe with your family. Um, so you had these very black and white experiences of stress and not stress. And now, because of the world we live in, we are stressed out a lot. <laughs> and I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I feel peaceful. <laughs> I know sometimes, you know, I'll get an email. And, oh, hey, we need to talk about this. And I'll go, <gasps> and I'll immediately, my body, I'm sure, just goes into full panic. Um <laughs> You know, so we have just a lot more stressful stimulation. And one of those things can be the fear that you're going to have a reaction from your food. So then it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. Because now your body's going, okay, we're putting digestion on the back burner. We are in panic mode. Um, You know, soldiers to the front lines. Yeah. And so then, you know, you're, you're having this really poor digestion. And, of course, what is everyone dealing with? SIBO, slow motility, you know, gastroparesis in really severe cases, constipation. And these are all things of like your body is not prioritizing digestion. Yeah. And a lot of that is stress. And and no shame to the naturopath naturopaths and more holistic or functional practitioners, but more often than not, I think they miss the mark that if someone is coming from a chronically stressed or traumatized background and then they recommend a more rigid diet, again, it's it's counterproductive. If we're trying to support someone's gut, we want to 
regulate the nervous system that dictates that gut motility, and then maybe from a more curious place start thinking about, well, what are the foods that I can maybe play around with eating less of or temporarily avoiding? Because going back to your story, Maddie, the first normal people meal that you added in, if you can remember this, I'm curious if you had a reaction to it or if you were surprised that your body handled it beautifully. Do you remember? Well, I, I one of the things I get asked very often is how I reintroduced da- dairy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was not quick because I did react. Um, and then I also remember, I, I forget who it was, but I remember seeing a, someone post about reintroducing like sourdough from being gluten-free. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, I don't think I can do that. Like, I'm sure some people can, but I think maybe I'm celiac or, you know, I just have too bad of a sensitivity. Um, and so I think that's just not going to be for me. And now I can eat, I can, you know, pretty well do do the sourdough. And now I can actually, even if I go and have a meal or two with, you know, a real burger bun, um, I'll be fine. But it has taken years mm-hmm. Of very slowly and just very intuitively kind of introducing stuff back in. And sometimes even still, you know, we were just talking, I still have very active MCAS symptoms. And if you're Mm -hmm. not familiar with that, um, mast cell activation syndrome disorder Mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, And so I have very severe reactions to a lot of things. I'll get really puffy. I'll get all red. I'll get flushed. I'll get hives. Um, And so sometimes I do have to say, well, I'm feeling very oversensitive this week. I'm not sure what maybe initially triggered me, but then I have to be a little bit more careful about, well, I'm not going to eat out this week because I'm already feeling just a little bit more sensitive. Um, You know, so it's, it's not like all of a sudden I can carte blanche, just go crazy and eat out every day and go get McDonald's. Um, on a daily basis. But if like once a month I go to Shake Shack and I eat like a fast food, you know, burger from Shake Shack, I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it it did take a lot of time. And I see that with, um, with people and with clients. Um, I think we're so used to like a 30-day cleanse or like a, the quick fix or, you know, a trend diet or something. Um, that works in a matter of days and weeks, I think we forget that like some of these things are, it's a, it's a months and years time frame versus days and weeks. Um, and so bringing dairy back in, I, that was something I really wanted to do. Um, and I did it way too fast initially. And I got, you know, histamine hives all down my arms. Um, and I just was like, okay, that's a sign I did it too fast. Um, So then I went back and, you know, this whole time I was drinking nut milk. Like I was still, you know, I was really into making my own cashew milk. Um, So I was still drinking nut milk and I was slowly kind of adding in a little bit more dairy and doing a little less nut milk. And it really took me probably eight to nine months, maybe a little longer even, to be able to just not have any more nut milk. Um, But I started really slow with like you know, eating a little bit of cheese and then, you know, putting a teaspoon of cream in my coffee. Um, And then, you know, later on being able to have like a little bit of milk in a a bowl of cereal. Um, 
you know, or cooking with milk instead of cooking with, um, you know, the milk alternatives. Um, but yeah, I mean, it took, a, it took a while. What about you? So as you're talking, I was reliving some of my older memories and I, I was at the point where I was kind of following like a modified AIP diet inspired by some of what I learned from GAPS and the specific carbohydrate diet. And Oh, the specific carbohydrate yeah. diet. <laughs> I, but a little bit more free. Yeah, I know. It is funny to think about. But yeah, more free <laughs> in the sense that I was choosing foods based on what I loved. Like I always – I loved rice bowls and I loved properly prepared beans and I loved – genuinely loved – cooked greens with spices and, you know, crack an egg on top and it's the perfect meal for mm. me. But my body was responding so poorly and I developed gastroparesis at the time and my doctors were saying, oh, it's because you have nerve damage from the Babesia infection that we still haven't treated successfully. So I felt like I was in this pickle where I thought I was eating really healthfully and eating really well, but my body couldn't release it. So I got to the point where every food was becoming problematic just because my body had learned to mount a huge mast cell response because nothing was moving out of the colon. I didn't even realize how constipated I was until I started to understand that most people don't go five, six, seven, eight, nine days without a bowel movement. <laughs> and that's a seriously <laughs> dangerous place to be. So it, for me, was actually realizing right now it's not even about the food. It's not about adding in foods. It's actually the wisest thing to scale back significantly. And I thought that in my delusion, I had heard that more of a fruitarian approach would be more gentle on my body. It was not. <laughs> I started reacting <laughs> insanely to all the fruits and I mean, granted, some of the things I look back and I'm like, well, of course that would have caused a reaction if you eat only a meal of 15 bananas and dates. That's a lot of histamine for someone with a histamine issue. Yes. So scaling back from there, shifting to more a pure, strict carnivore approach, that to me actually felt like an act of self-love when I realized I, I identified as being a foodie. I always loved flavor combinations and colors and textures and really elaborate meals. But when I realized that my body literally could not handle the fibers and the compounds, some of the, like the polyphenols, for example, that are known for their anti-inflammatory, antioxidant effect, not the case if they are sitting and fermenting right at the edge of the stomach where it opens into the small intestine. If you've ever had SIBO or <laughs> experienced extreme discomfort about mm, two hours after eating, you probably have an idea of what I'm talking about. But yeah, honestly, it was shifting to a place of no longer putting so much joy or emphasis on food because even though meals were so painful and problematic and so symptom-producing, I still looked forward to them. I still got excited. But it was this vicious cycle of what later I realized was kind of torturing myself where <laughs> I didn't know what else to do and I so badly wanted to be normal that I thought I could just push through it and just keep pushing that eventually, you know, my digestion would return to normal and yeah. things would feel better. But I think... Like you mentioned, Maddie, I think 
it was building for years and years and years. And I think the slow motility and whatever, I, I don't know, I'm probably a mix of nerve damage and, but also thyroid dysfunction caused by an overburdened liver by not pooping continuously over years and years and years, really from middle school to college, that's a significant load of toxicity. So it was kind of like this yeah. perfect storm for me. But then once I got to the place of, I would say, avoiding every food aside from meat, ghee, and egg yolks at this point, and no longer thinking, okay, food's going to heal me, and food is the end-all, be-all, it was really getting my mind to a place of whatever happens, happens. And I started adding things in really slowly. The first thing I added in was carrots, actually, and I felt benefit. So a week later, I started adding in, I think the first thing I added in actually was orange juice, if I think back to how I approach this. Yeah. Responded awfully, you know, bloated yeah. <laughs> up like crazy, felt itchy, felt fatigued. And I would be lying if I said I stayed calm. I did not stay calm. It felt like another one of those crisis moments where I was thinking, how am I going to survive in this world? I don't want to just eat meat for the rest of my life. And I wasn't feeling great. The carnivore diet is not I don't know. I would say some people might feel amazing at first if they're really just revved up on cortisol and maybe they've removed a bunch of gut irritants, yep. but it's not sustainable. A lot of the studies these days are pointing to the fact that, yeah, you might lose a bunch of weight if someone needs to lose a bunch of weight or wants to, but you're losing a lot of muscle in order yep. to free up glycogen and glucose for the cell, you're basically eating yourself, which, you know, could be beneficial. Say if you are fighting, actively fighting a Lyme infection, okay, maybe there's something to that. But long-term, I didn't want to be the person that just ate meat on a 99-degree day eating a pound of meat. It gets, gets a little boring after a while. Yes. So, yes, yeah. And I would say the biggest thing when I would slowly add in foods and then have a reaction, have to scale back to kind of just meat and carrots was just realizing, okay, this is where I'm at right now. If I'm not making my happiness completely dependent on wishing I could eat a certain meal, what do I want to derive my happiness from? So that was, that to me is the biggest thing in terms of, well, I want to be focusing on my relationships. I want to be finding beauty and humor and connection and creativity outside of meals and body symptoms. Yeah. And it would almost make adding a food in and having a slight reaction or even a little less of a reaction that much more easy because I kind of expected neutrality or would go in thinking, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. And either way, I'm going to stay calm and move on. And if I have a really bad flare-up after this, I'm going to watch an episode of Silicon Valley and relax, and that's what I'm going to do. And I know this sounds like, oh, wow, you know, she, she seemed to handle this really well. There were moments where I lost my shit. I <laughs> punched walls. I broke things. I threw things. I screamed at the top of my lungs. I felt like I was going crazy, and then I'd have days that were a little bit easier. And I think those easier days and continuing to experiment and slowly scaling back and then slowly maybe, oh, okay, having a four-ounce glass of 
orange juice instead of like the 16 ounce that I started with. That all made a difference. But something I was thinking, Maddie, before we started recording and it just came to mind was the amount of time feeling completely unwell, completely overwhelmed and completely confused by the world and what my body was doing was essential in developing some of the mental fortitude that I know both of us have talked about a lot. But I think if it was like a one month journey of, okay, I eliminated these foods and now I'm back and I'm feeling amazing. I don't think I would have realized the extent at which our own thinking plays a role in all of these other cascades of reactivity and symptoms and even reacting to our symptoms and then thinking ahead about what our life will look like if we're having symptoms. That's a stress cascade 100%. that is it's yes and learning to learning to get to the point where you realize you're allowed to unhook from that crazy cycle of stress that's that's where I see so much potential and beauty and that's where I get excited when people get to that point because like you said before you still have reactions you're still dealing with the after effects of mold but now you have this perspective of okay, I've got this. All right, body, we're going to do this. What do you need? Okay, maybe less of this, maybe more of that. It's so much more, it feels motherly to me. It feels sweet and tending and nourishing versus reactive and fearful and panicky, which is something we can learn to really develop. Well, and just, you know, as you're talking about all of that, um, I mean, Right now, like, I still am going through some of those issues. Like, some days I can drink a glass of orange juice and feel fine, and some days I can't, and I will get a headache, and I will get terrible heartburn, and I will start getting hives, Um, and then I just kind of have to know, okay, well, today is just not an orange juice day. (laughs) That right there. It was so light. Okay. No big deal. It's like the whatever. Well, and I think, you know, as like, I would love to be able to teach that to people, but I don't know if it's possible because it's one of those things where like the only reason why I can have that attitude now is because I've gone through it and come out the other side where I've been able to have more food freedom. And, and now I do have days, you know, I just went on this trip and it was, you know, I I paid for it a little bit when I got home. I had to rest for a day and now I'm back to kind of just eating a little bit more conservatively, make sure I'm staying really hydrated and kind of doing all of the things to like, you know, put like I I went into I feel like in a in a case like that, like I went into debt and now I'm kind of having to pay back um, the debt of like not eating the way I normally do, not getting as much sleep as I normally do. you know, traveling, dealing with all the EMFs, all of that that stress, um, but just the joy of being able to go and do that and not have to be like, okay, let me research the menu before I go to this place. Let me call them and ask them what kind of oils they use, which I will say I still do. I still do ask out of curiosity, but if they say canola oil, I'm still going to eat the French fries. <laughs> with intention, I think that's the difference of being terrified and assuming you're going to react versus, oh, I'm healthy enough. My body can handle that. And you have accrued data points that your body is much more capable these days. Would you say that's because of the work you've done up here in your mind? Or were there other factors going on? Because I know we talk a lot about the experiments that we both do on ourselves. What do you think has moved the needle 
the most to allow you to get to the point where you can eat pretty assaulting things, but with joy and gusto, and they they don't they don't knock you down in the same way. <laughs> I mean, I I think it is. 80%, 75% a mental game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, we talk, obviously, we both love talking about the nervous system, and that's a subject matter we love to discuss. Um, but I think realizing how much power your mind does have is is so awesome, and it's so fun, because you really can... And, you know, I don't want to ever invalidate anybody because the symptoms that people have are very real. And there are times where, like, you can't mentally say, you know, if you're celiac and you say, well, I'm going to eat this gluten anyway, you're probably going to have a reaction. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And, you know, even for me, if I do eat a lot of sea oils, it gives me a tummy ache. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't need a bunch of empirical data to know that it's maybe not the best. It gives me a tummy ache. And so mm-hmm. that's, you know, I know it's not the best for me no matter what any um, – you know, any of the literature says. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, just kind of finding that balance of being at a point where you're not stressed out. Because honestly, like, feeling uncomfortable with going out to eat was a huge stress for me. And knowing mm-hmm. that, you know, my family and friends are like a little frustrated or a little annoyed or it's, you know, and it's hard for me. And I just, you know, having to always pack days and days worth of food for myself to make sure I had something safe with me to eat. That was really stressful. So Mm -hmm. finding this um, balance has more than anything else just been, you know, going through this experience, my main goal has been, how do I decrease my stress Mm -hmm. as much as I possibly can? How do I make my existence more joyful and less stressful. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where um, that metric kind of falls now. It's like, is this going to bring me a lot of joy or is this going to bring me a lot of stress? And making mm-hmm. decisions based on that versus feeling like, oh, no, well, I might have a reaction. You know, now mm-hmm. it's more like, well, am I going to love this meal? Yes. Mm-hmm. Will I maybe have to take an extra Benadryl afterwards? Also, yes. But that's fine. <laughs> And if you go into a meal thinking, this is going to digest perfectly, my body's going to take what it needs and release the rest, and you still have a reaction, to me, that's a success because we want to go in expecting either neutrality or some kind of benefit. We do not want to create, like you said, a self-fulfilling prophecy where we are already on the edge of our seats expecting the worst, and the body says, well... There's a lot of stress hormones right here, so I'm going to match what I'm picking up and just really just full-blown mast cell <laughs> release. Let's let's just inflame this entire system. And I think if we can go in every single meal and just with that peacefulness, even say distracting yourself with a TV show or putting on music, doing some non-sleep deep rest or some belly breathing and laughter before a meal – giving your body the best chance. And to me, honestly, that's what, that's what made the difference because I was reacting to some of the most basic things for years. I was even listening to some of my, my recorded, my voice memos from 2019 and 2020. I was still really reactive and it wasn't such a big deal. It was okay. What's next? 
okay, yep, food still is food. Let's move on. What's next? Just an approach. Well, and, you know, one thing that has been interesting to discover, because, you know, we both, I'm in the same boat as you. Like, I've done the specific carbohydrate, the GAPS mm-hmm. diet, AIP, mm-hmm. Whole30, mm-hmm. uh, keto, vegan, raw alkaline vegan. I think the only thing I never fully did for a long time and, like, commit to was carnivore. Um, I'll, I'm a- I'll take that one for you. <laughs> you. You have not missed anything. But, you know, like... Part of and like well, people will say, oh well, you know, you have mast cell. Are you doing a low histamine diet? And I'm like, honestly, no, because what is a, a a low histamine diet? Because sometimes for me, I react to orange juice. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I react to eating a piece of sourdough bread. Sometimes I don't. So mm-hmm. you know. It's so different. Sometimes I'll be, sometimes I will react to chocolate. Most of the time I don't. So I'm not going to cut that out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of on a day, day-to-day day basis, feeling where I'm at and kind of, you know, learning that like intuition of like, well, what feels like it's going to be um, a good choice for me today? Um, and one thing that I think is interesting um you know, like a, a lot of practitioners will use muscle testing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I I go back and forth on how I feel about muscle testing. But, um, you know, one thing that I find is interesting is that you can kind of do it on yourself. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, but let's like take away the, the box, the confines of like, okay, well, I'm going to quote unquote muscle test myself. If you're able to do that for yourself, then you know that somehow like energetically you can get this message from your body about whether something is good or bad and so when you're craving something and you know sometimes i'll be like wow i really want a salad like i just want a big salad i really want some veggies other times i'll be like i want a bag of chips Um, (laughs) and just kind of going with those feelings like your cravings are a message from your body Mm -hmm. and that might be you know if you can kind of tune into that and really and and trust that your body is right um instead of saying oh well no i can't eat that chocolate because it's not low histamine Mm -hmm. if you're really craving chocolate what if that's what your body wants i have a story related to this that actually was a breakthrough for me and it was when i was still on that fine line of trying to ease out of carnivore but not feeling my body was was not doing too well with it and there was one night that I was making these burger patties for myself, and I was ready, getting ready to have my burger patties and honey. That was, you know, oh boy. a really exciting <laughs> meal. And my husband was actually making ice, a huge ice cream sundae with that beautiful Strauss family ice cream, Strauss family creamery. I think everyone knows the brand. Pretty incredible ingredients, not, nothing weird added, and it seems to be... Yeah, just mostly well-tolerated. But anyways, <laughs> he was making this Sunday, and like you said, that's all I wanted. I was looking at my burger patties. I'm like, these are these look delicious. They look like they would be delicious on a different day. I actually genuinely do love burger patties with honey. But the Sunday looked incredible. And I paused in that moment, and I just decided I'm going to have a Sunday tonight. That's what my body's begging for. And Maddie, I kid you not, it was one of those moments, talk about those positive data points, where not only did I feel incredible, I felt like 
it soothed and fed something beyond what I can understand. Something in my soul and my nervous system said, thank you. That is exactly what we wanted. I slept so well that night. And it was such a game changer because in the past I would have been, well, before hearing about repeat, I would have thought that everything in ice cream was inflammatory, toxic, dangerous, counterproductive to healing Lyme disease and all of the other labels that I had accumulated. But in that moment, it was this almost this like awakening of what if the body really does know best? I could have forced myself to eat my beautiful grass-fed burger patties and raw honey, but I chose to listen to what my body actually wanted, and I was rewarded with peacefulness, with a lack of symptoms. And like you've described, there were other days where, you know, I got a little, I got a little overexcited where I'd maybe have a little bit more of something, and I would react. Other nights with the same vanilla Strauss ice cream did not go as well seemed to cause phlegmy symptoms and really, <laughs> really altered my sleep. But it wasn't, again, it wasn't this moment of, oh my gosh, what's wrong with my body? It was, oh, thanks body for letting me know. Maybe now, this time of the month, this time of the year, okay, maybe maybe not the time for a big bowl of ice cream before as dinner. But right. the <laughs> only way we know is to try and it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be such a big deal unless you want it to be. And like you said a second ago, if your body is craving something, lean into that. You don't have to necessarily eat chips for the rest of your life, but what about in this moment, seeing, and in the five minutes, 10 minutes after eating it, how are you feeling? Are you feeling better? Interesting. Maybe something to listen to. Or if you're not feeling better and you do feel bad, that is just a data point. And so I feel like, you know, and this is like a whole part of a larger conversation, but feeling bad is not necessarily bad. Um, and I know for me, you know, if I eat something and do have a bit of a reaction, I'm just, you know, it kind of just makes me go, huh, okay. So like, that's, that's where I'm at today. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and I just learn from that experience. So then it mm -hmm. kind of, in a way in my head, there is no bad outcome because mm -hmm. even if I feel bad, I'm still taking information that is helpful yes. to me from that experience. And the opportunity, if you keep having reactions, even when you expect not to, see that as an opportunity to strengthen your mental game, to strengthen the, okay, no big deal, or cool, thanks, body. Thanks for letting me know. Apple skins are no bueno today. Awesome. Right. <laughs> that's some, actually, that's something that flared me up just a couple weeks ago. I had been doing really well with apples, feeling awesome because those were always probably the most irritating food for me, just apples, <laughs> especially with the peel. And they caused a little bit of a, a little bit of a bloat. And it was a moment of actually gratitude to think, wow, I've come a long way. This would this would have knocked me down and would have put me into fetal position in the past. Now it's like, okay, a slightly uncomfortable belly. Let me put on my spandex. No big deal. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Well, and it's just, you know, in dealing with or not dealing with and in, in working with a lot of people that are trying to lose weight, um, you know, for anybody that doesn't know, before I started working on my own, I worked for a company that I was doing health coaching for weight loss and I coached probably close to a thousand people. Um, and what 
was one thing that I noticed that I it would just make me like sad um, would be that people and and I totally empathize with this because I was in the same boat when I would be on these really restrictive diets and I like let's just give ice cream as an example. I love ice cream, but I used to think that I had a binge eating problem and I, you know, quote unquote, would not be able to have ice cream in the house because I would sit down and I would eat the entire pint of ice cream and, you know, learning more and just having more experiences. And then also talking to clients, you know, when you don't listen to those signals where your body's like, I just want to, I just want a spoonful of ice cream, darn it then you will often find yourself, you know, if, if you have any of those feelings where you're thinking, well, I can't control myself around X, Y, and Z, then you, maybe you need to, like, that's maybe what you need to have. And you need to give yourself the freedom to have some of these foods, explore how it makes you feel. Um, and I find now, you know, I, d I won't sit and eat a pint of ice cream. I keep it in the house, you know, like with all those things, you know, with anything sugar related, you know, I'm not, I used to be a sugar binge eater. I would eat candy, I'd eat cookies, I'd eat ice cream and just not be able to control myself. But that's because I was doing all these really restrictive diets. So then my body was like, oh my gosh, I need the sugar. <laughs> yeah. And now that like, you know, I am not scared of carbs anymore. I eat, you know, a lot more balanced and in that balance includes some of these you know quote unquote unhealthy things like some ice cream um but now i'll just i'll eat a serving of ice cream and be like that was great yes i mean the emotional side of this too if we like you said if we are completely denying and putting ourselves into this restrictive mindset or even the story i can't handle myself around that food your body right. starts to get really mixed messages, which it will try and match. So it hears, yep, I absolutely cannot handle myself around that food. So, of course, it's going to feel insane when, when all of a sudden it's available. Or the other piece of this, like you mentioned, our cells require glucose. And if we are not consuming it, they will make it from our tissues that means our muscles and our delicate ovaries and our thymus gland and our liver <laughs> everything all yeah whatever is easily broken down boom there there it is there's the glucose so if you find yourself ravenous and maybe the the people that consider themselves sugar addicts and can't and just feel like they lose control let's see that as a good sign that your body is sending you the right signal that it needs more fuel not less more easily available fuel, not less. More regular fuel, not less. <laughs> well, and even, you know, it's helpful with stress, like to have mm -hmm. some candy even. Mm -hmm. You know, like when I went and traveled on this trip, I got a bag of jelly beans. And Love it. They were Jelly Belly jelly beans with all the chemicals <laughs> in them. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to eat some jelly beans because traveling is stressful for me. I feel mm -hmm. that need to have more sugar. And of course, you know, I do try to balance it. I'll eat a meat stick and, you know, or I'll, you know, have my handful of jelly beans after I have dinner. Um, but, you know, I I do crave sugar in those environments. And whereas before I would be like, oh, well, this is really bad. Um, and I would have all this negative connotation kind of attached to wanting to eat some jelly beans. Um, now I'm just like, my I'm I'm burning more glucose because my body is going through more stress. So it's okay to you know, just 
you know, feel into that and Mm -hmm. and respect that um, wish. And it's not. And again, you know, kind of goes back to being friends with your body instead of thinking that your body's trying to betray you Mm -hmm. um, and just being like, yeah, this is this is fine. You know, we live a couple blocks away from a co-op and at the checkout, they're really good at getting you, but they have like gummy bears and natural M&Ms. So we tend to we tend to treat ourselves if if the if the spirit moves us and I kid you not, Maddie, there are days where that's what I want. I am so excited to go on a little walk and grab a treat from the co-op. And now with the mindset of, oh, yeah, I need more glucose or it's been a stressful day. This is actually, this can be helpful. It digests differently. And I would argue it actually digests beautifully, seeing it as a yeah. tool and an ally, as a easily absorbable fuel fuel source. And yeah, lacking in maybe the minerals I'd get from like a fruit juice, but it fills the need in a way that forcing, back to the ice cream experiment or the ice cream story, forcing is more of what we don't want. Most of us come from a background of being conditioned to think that the only way through is to force. And if we're not struggling or fighting or working really hard, then we must be doing something wrong. That is potentially a big lie. And I would say I see it as a big lie. It's part of, I mean, we could unpack this in a whole different episode, but if we start to think of the body as something to nourish instead of something to control and punish and detox, it becomes very clear that a craving or an impulse or even even something like, oh, that that sounds nice. That sounds that sounds really good right now. What if that is something to listen to? Well, and I think, you know, like just what you said, this kind of sparked a thought, but you know, using something like candy as a tool. Mm-hmm. And understanding how it works in the body and just and sugar in general. I feel, you know, oh, my gosh, like mm-hmm. poor sugar, man. Like it has gotten <laughs> such a bad rap. But, you know, what really clicked for me, because we do see that obviously like people with very highly processed diets who are consuming lots and lots and lots of sugar do not do well. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, we're like, OK, well, we also need need glucose. We need sugar in our bodies. And to me, it's it really boils down to, like, something so simple. And it's like, well, okay, in nature, most of the foods that are the highest in sugar also are very nutritious. You know, fruits, something like a juice, you know, all of that is so full of minerals. It's so um, full of vitamins, full of bioflavonoids and polyphenols and all of these beautiful things versus, and even, you know, like a starchy carb, like a sweet potato or a squash and something like are just super nutritious versus this highly processed food that is completely devoid of nutrition. And so you end up having people that are consuming a very high amount of calories and a high amount of sugar with none of these other important building blocks that we need. And so in being able to say, okay, when I'm going to have sugar, my body is also asking for a lot of these other things. And so you can eat the candy, but at the same time, are you getting all of these other things in your diet somehow? Are you eating a variety of nutritious, mineral-rich, vitamin-rich foods? And then if you have some ice cream or some candy where you're not getting something super, you know, nutrient-rich, you're not going to be really doing yourself any harm. 
And the beauty of that is that the body seems to be very self-correcting because most people, they get to the point where you have enough candy and your body says, oh, that's enough. And maybe the next meal you do want something really crunchy or really fibrous. But I would also come back to the nuance here that some people, given the state of their gut and say their SIBO overgrowth or their motility is a little bit funky right now, some people do really well with processed sugars. And I'm not saying, okay, have only processed sugars, but you might be someone that certain fruits, certain fibers, the beautiful sweet potato might not work for you right now, but honoring maybe more of the nutrient-dense sugars and sweeteners like maple and honey and coconut sugar and molasses or even certain fruit juices might be more supportive to you. And just playing it out to see, okay, well, what's how is the body responding? It's You'll know pretty quickly after the fact if you go in with the mindset, okay, I'm open to seeing what my body's going to tell me about this. Your body will let you know. I mean, starting with the yeah. taste, and but as it moves through, you'll be able to know how it's, how it's being absorbed, how it's being metabolized. If there are certain critters that might be metabolizing it, not a problem, more data. Yeah, exactly. And I think, um, you know, this the whole dichotomy of like natural and whole versus processed and synthetic I think is is an interesting talking point because um you know as I've noticed for myself just as one example I started you know there's there's oh my gosh we should never have ascorbic acid right like ascorbic acid is so bad well I started realizing that if I and I kind of kind of view all the different types of vitamin C as like different supplements. Like I would use ascorbic acid for something different than I would use like a camu camu or more of a whole food, quote unquote, um, vitamin C. But what's so interesting, you know, if you're having mast cell stuff, like sometimes I cannot tolerate having orange juice or like an adrenal cocktail or, you know, a, a mala berry or camu camu. And I do a lot better with the ultra-processed ascorbic acid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's still like one of those examples of just kind of like, you know, feeling your way through it and what is going to do best for you in this moment, and it might change. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I I don't want to be taking ascorbic acid every day, always for the rest of my life, because, right, that that can throw off the balance of some other things. Um, but... In the short term, it's really helpful for me to have this synthetic processed thing. Um, And so, you know, I think just kind of taking everything as it is in the moment to kind of say, you know, well, is this, I I know that everyone on Instagram is saying that this is bad, but it makes me feel good. Like, that's the the data point that truly is important is how it makes you feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, if there's anything to take away from this conversation. It's that Maddie and I got to this point from being so rigid (laughs) and realizing that maybe it's not even helping and probably making things worse. And the most valuable data points have been through trying things and paying attention, experimenting and paying attention. And I, I think it's, it's fun to get inspired by what we see on Instagram and maybe even thinking of cool recipe combinations or 
gelatin uses, like different flavored gummies, for example. I never, I never would have thought to make my own gummies if not for Instagram and more of the Ray Pete inspired crowd. Amazing. That's been such an added, such an added joy to my life. But if you can remember that we're just talking about this process of really unlearning any rules and letting the body make the rules, knowing those will change from month to month, even over the course of a month, honestly, if I'm if I'm being honest with how my body reacts to things, but letting yourself come up with a roadmap that is based on your reality and let the inspiration come in. But if you find yourself comparing or feeling like you should do something, that's probably a sign that you shouldn't. <laughs> Whenever there's a should or thinking that you're missing out on something or someone else has figured it out and you have it, maybe they present it that way or maybe they figured out what works for them right now. But also Instagram is going to make things appear a certain way. You don't know what's going on in the background. You don't know what someone is thinking or feeling. Someone could post a beautiful meal eat that meal and have a huge fight with their partner, digest it terribly. And we never hear about that. So just, you know, the classic idea, take everything with a grain of salt and probably keep the salt high as well. Yes. <laughs> but that even brings another uh, example of, um, I actually found out that I was eating too much salt. <laughs> and ah, I wasn't, did it throw off your potassium or it what It did. Happened? And I found I was having really bad edema. And this was, it just was another example of like, well, everything, you know, everything is, is different for each person. Mm. Um, Bio-individuality, right? Um, yeah, I was having, I was having too much salt and uh, I was getting really, just really puffy. I was retaining so much water. Um and I started working to include more potassium and started like every time I had some salt, I would add a little bit of cream of tartar or some, you know, drink some coconut water or, you know, stuff like that. And that really made a big difference for me. So I was just mm -hmm. like, this is another, this is another thing where everyone and says. And you got the just, sign. You know, yes. You know, you could have ignored that and said, you know, this this Kelly but girl on says Instagram salt is, is good for you. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, everything in balance too. And what is balanced for you could be something extreme to get your body back to a point of replenishment. There's this idea of hysteresis that say you've been lacking in B1 your entire life, you might actually have to sustain a pretty hefty or, you know, what's considered a large dose of B1 for a short term to get your your body back to the point where, oh, you don't need to be mega dosing anymore. But yeah. Our our histories can inform a lot of what we might be deficient in, but also your symptoms and also your moods and your sleep patterns and what might be burning through certain minerals or or B vitamins faster than others. It's kind of a fun puzzle if you if you let it be. Well, and one thing that I you know is is quickly becoming a passion of mine, which I never thought I would ever say, um is fiber. And I find that so many people, because they have been hurt by fiber, um, think they're like, oh, I never want to have any fiber ever again. And that's often where you see people going carnivore or primal or, you know, super low carb um, because they've had maybe they've dealt with SIBO or, or low motility and, you know, some of these issues or they've been, you know, a lot of us also have had these diets where we've been eating buckets full of raw kale or cauliflower everything. Um, 
in an attempt to maybe lose weight. And like that really scarred you. Um, and so I see a lot of like people saying, oh, well, I just cut out all fiber um, forever. And then they end up having some other issues. And I'm like, well, different types of fiber can be really helpful and are also a very bio-individual thing. And so like you maybe won't do great with kale or cauliflower or broccoli, but maybe like potatoes or, and, or beans, like we demonize beans so much. Um, but if, you know, if you're, if you're properly preparing them, those can be such a wonderful, you know, just, and I know you've had that experience of being like, oh, beans are my friend now. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And yeah, I, I would say I fell into the category pre-carnivore, during carnivore, post-carnivore, really being terrified of fiber because of the endotoxemia I would experience. I would be full on, I mean, it felt like the brain fog was so thick, sometimes I felt like I would move my eyes and it would be like a strobe light. It was terrifying and it wow. truly felt like I was being poisoned from the inside out, but I mean, you need fuel to survive, so it's kind of a sticky catch-22. But when I was able to get to the point of lowering some of the noise and the symptoms and adding foods back in to see what were really helpful, it was amazing to realize that beans and lentils were so therapeutic for me. And yes, properly prepared. I soak them. Sometimes I even sprout them. I'll cook them with a little kombu. It, it does take a little bit of prep. And there are some cool brands these days that do prepare it properly. I think Eden is one of them. Eden is and my then, fave. Yeah, there's another one in a glass jar. The name I'm forgetting right now. It's, um, but anyway, I know that Jovial started. Doing, Jovial, that's yes, it. Jovial, yes, the they prepare jar. it properly as well. Not with the kombu, but they are soaking it and letting it at least germinate. But yeah. that's something that if I had believed everything I was reading about online or even falling too far into the camp of quote pro metabolic, I never would have tried something like that. But it's, yeah, if we can start to see, and you've, you've phrased this so beautifully, but seeing all foods as maybe helpful or supportive, every food has a place. It's just figuring out, well, maybe what's the amount, what's the preparation, even the timing that your body is asking for certain foods. It can be kind of fun too to come from a background of restriction and now to realize that your body is probably handling foods much different than it used to, or maybe foods that have been illegal or unsafe for years <laughs> might now be really safe because your body hasn't had so much exposure and so, so much response to these foods, and they might be some of the lowest activating and some of the most helpful. Like the thing I've noticed with beans that I really love is really amazing bowel movements, but also much sounder sleep. And I think there's something to be said about the soluble fiber binding to things like adrenaline. And sleep is still a huge area of focus for me and something I see a lot with people with um, complicated guts and maybe more reactive guts. But if we can maybe mop up some of the compounds and some of the stress hormones that are disrupting our ability to get into a deep, sustained, sustained sleep, that is so beneficial if we think about the umbrella of health. I mean, sleep is kind of kind of the umbrella. And then, yes, meaningful relationships, purpose, creativity. But the actual the actual nitty-gritty of the perfect diet doesn't exist. It doesn't exist in the way it's been sold to us. Yeah. So it's it's freedom and questioning and trying and 
yeah, you might find yourself with a plate full of chickpeas <laughs> and getting exactly what you need. Right. And I, you know, it was almost, um, I almost mourned for chickpea because I used to like when I especially my vegan days, I loved chickpeas. I would make like chickpea tuna, you know, quote unquote salad. Um, and I just loved that. And I always did really well with chickpeas. But then I started, you know, getting into like, I don't even like to call myself pro-metabolic because now I'm kind of like, no, I just do what I want. <laughs> and it doesn't have a label. I'm anti-label. Um but just being, oh, well, I, I shouldn't do beans because beans have X, Y, Z, you know, issues, chickpeas I shouldn't do. But knowing like deep down inside in my intuition, I've always done really well with chickpeas. I'm not a beans person, but I, it, <laughs> because I just don't like them. It's a texture thing. Ever ah. since I was a kid, I have never really liked beans. Um, but funnily enough, I am getting to a point now where I can eat them in like chili or stew and mm -hmm. and actually eat them and not like want a gag um but that was you know a purely a preference thing and i think um you know it's very freeing to just be able to follow your preferences and just mm -hmm. like well i'm not going to eat it just because i don't like it um and i'm not going to force myself to eat it because it has quote-unquote health benefits and i'm also you know not going to prevent myself from eating something that i really like mm -hmm. um you know, like a cookie or something because it's mm -hmm. quote unquote unhealthy. Um, yeah. So I think just finding that space to not have the the rules and kind of go at it as like a, you know, we're taking it day by day kind of mm -hmm. thing is a mm -hmm. lot more relaxing and fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Maddie, I still catch myself having certain frameworks and and certain, not rules, but kind of frameworks of thinking, yeah, this works for me. And to a certain extent, it is really nice to know, yeah, like I feel really good with a very high protein breakfast and a sweet milky coffee and maybe, you know, a little bit of fruit, things like that. But that's even shifted. And being open to letting that change with seasons mm -hmm. has been so freeing. And like you said, these preferences if our bodies aren't trying to torture us or you're craving something and you're still reacting to it, maybe doing a little bit of digging to think, well, okay, yeah, maybe there's something in here that my body needs. Okay, it's not doing too well with the fiber right now, but maybe what's a workaround and seeing how you feel. I mean, for, an example of this would be I did terribly with dark chocolate at first. Oh my gosh. I was getting the hue, which I thought were the, the gold standard because they use coconut sugar and, you know, it seemed really fancy and quote clean, but I, oh, talk about a, <laughs> talk about a reaction. Oh my gosh. But then realizing, oh, when I started supplementing magnesium and just taking magnesium baths, my cravings for chocolate went away. And I, I think chocolate is a really valuable food and the saturated fats and some of the polyphenols are incredible. But say you are reacting, okay, great. Think about what else is there. Could it be that your body is begging for some magnesium or even just the relaxation and the warmth associated with a bath? It's almost like I would consider that a fair trade <laughs> piece <Yeah>. of chocolate. <laughs> well, and you know, an another thing, as, as we're talking about this that I'm thinking of too, is even the rigidity of the meal timing mm. and the force feeding sometimes. Um, and, you know, because of, because of course a lot of us are coming from restriction or, you know, not eating enough and then feeling like, 
okay, well, now I have to have 2,500 calories or I have to I have to eat three meals a day. I have to eat breakfast. Um, I've even found recently that I'm kind of just letting myself be a little bit more free even in in that framework as well. And I do mm-hmm. think that that was something that I really needed. I needed to have that framework and I kind of had to force myself to eat breakfast for a little while just to kind of help heal my metabolism after a lot of restriction. Mm-hmm. Um, but now sometimes like I won't feel like eating breakfast or maybe I won't feel like eating dinner. Um, and I'll just, or maybe I don't want as many calories that day and I'm just not as hungry um and just kind of going with that a little bit more also feels really good and I mm-hmm. and I don't notice because I do pay close attention and I, I I kind of will be like okay is this um is it because my body's actually asking for this or is this because I'm not feeling well or is it because of any you know, internal dialogue or or self-talk that's maybe I'm getting caught up in. And, you know, I just pay more attention to kind of the why of what's driving maybe my appetite to not be as significant. Um, but, you know, there's just a lot to be said for even that piece of information and just kind of allowing yourself to not have it as much rigidity and to kind of take away those rules mm-hmm. um and i do you know sometimes they're helpful i think i think all the rules you know what it boils down to is all the rules are helpful if you think of them as temporary mm-hmm. because nothing is going to work a hundred percent a hundred percent of the time forever you know there's not one diet that is the best one there's not one you know meal timing plan that's gonna be the best thing um and even you know part of it too is that our bodies every time we eat anything we have a little bit of a immune response so Mm -hmm. you could find the best timing the best meal and eat the same thing every single day that you you know, was the the perfect macro balance, the perfect amount of calories, the perfect nutrient amounts, and all of a sudden you start reacting to those foods because now you're eating the same thing every day. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's finding the ability to just kind of be flexible and, you know, listening to myself and trusting myself. I think that's really like the the nugget the golden nugget there. Yeah, Maddie, that's that's a beautiful point too because I think even the feeling of trusting yourself can feel foreign in a world where we've been conditioned to refer or to defer to the expert or to to have someone else tell you what to do. So what helped me along the way was actually thinking of other things that bring up the feeling of trust. What are some other things? What did that feel like to me? And it was a very grounding, slow, kind of stabilized feeling. And I would almost imagine that and put myself in that situation and then imagine what that would be like to trust myself around food again. And this this is definitely a process, but I think for a lot of people it is really regaining trust. If you feel out of control, if you feel overwhelmed, if you feel the need to control and it's manifesting in food choices or restrictive rigid rules around eating or not eating. That is absolutely something to look into. And no shame. Again, it's I, I'm surprised when people 
don't have food stories <laughs> these days, yeah. just given just given how complicated it's become. And and more often than not, it's the people that so badly want to feel better and want to feel a relief of their symptoms that tend to have more of these warped ideas about how they should be, how they shouldn't be, what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong. But if we take the morality out of it, if we take the right and wrong out of it and think about it more as let's just tend, let's think about tending to the body. Now, what does that look like? If you get to listen and there will be times that actually you you do get false messages. Say you're running on cortisol. You might not feel hungry in the morning. Okay, great. Something we can play around with. And like you said, Maddie, it's not about force feeding a, a 900 calorie breakfast. It could be starting small with something like a piece of cheese and some gelatin gummies. And okay, if cheese is not currently on the table, what do you tolerate moderately, moderately well? Right. For a lot of people that I talk to or, or work with, it's a matter of finding, well, what's, what's tolerable right now? It might still bring up some symptoms, but we do need to fuel the body. We can't, we can't just not eat because I, I hear that too. It's, I feel so much better when I don't eat. So I yeah. fast until, you know, I do one meal a day and I fast until that meal. And yes, it might be suppressing certain symptoms and maybe allowing you to function a little bit better. But if we can think about well, what is this revealing to us and how can we support that in a way that doesn't completely derail you or cause you to flare up in, in a disaster of symptoms, then we can slowly start to change things for you. Yeah. Okay, I have so many thoughts, but my computer is at 5% battery. So hold on one second. Let me go grab my charger. Hold that thought. Where was I going to go? Oh, um, I wanted to... As we continue this point, um, talk about mast cell a little bit deeper because I think that really feeds into this conversation. And one of the epiphanies that I have had about mast cell, um, I think it has a lot to do with your perception of safety. Um, whoa. And right, like whoa. Um, and I see it happening. I I think we're we're kind of on this cusp of um, mast cell becoming a, a more mainstream thing because I'm finding that even a lot of like integrative and naturopathic practitioners don't really know about it, don't really know what it is or how to deal with it. And I think the reason why it's so hard to treat and manage and why everyone is so different um, you know, there's not one diet that's going to work. There's not one medication that's going to work. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why doctors don't really get it because especially in Western medicine, we're very much like, well, here's a diagnosis. Here's the pill you take for that. There you go. Um, and then maybe in the more integrative space, it's, well, here's the diagnosis. Here's the, the supplements that you take and here's the diet that you follow. And there you go. Um, and I think with mast cell, it has a lot more to do with our nervous system and with our perception of stress, with our perception of safety and being able to feel like we are in a safe environment. So I know for me, I know you had a thought, say it, tell me. No, I, I'm <laughs> over here throwing my hands up. I know no one can see this, but you are, you are so spot on in this, in, in my limited understanding, mast cell degranulation is part of this very beautiful cascade that the body releases 
in order to protect us when it feels a threat. And it's normally in the presence of stress hormones, estrogen, other inflammatory markers that are saying, okay, alarm bells, release. There's something we need to handle. Inflame because this should not be here. So absolutely, if we, like if you, like you said, if we think about it uh, as us not feeling safe, the nervous system sends, they say, 80% of the signals to the brain picking up on what's going on. So if we're creating these stories of not safe, this, is, this food is not safe, I'm not safe, life is not safe, my body's not safe, we're kind of priming that mast cell release. And it's this is not about blaming anyone. It's honoring, okay, you might be in a very dysregulated, overactivated state and that is what's causing your body to react to what feels like everything. Maybe right. not. Maybe there's something else. Maybe it could be like in your situation, Maddie, with the mold exposure where it's kind of turned on that I'm not safe on a more physiological level. So you could even be feeling safe mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, but your body is disagreeing because it's picking up other things. Well, and I've, I feel that I even... Like the the mold exposure is what started it, but in this healing journey, it has made me really dive deep on why, like deep, deep trauma from even my childhood, from things that I wasn't even perceiving as being a trauma or, you know, feeling unsafe. I'm kind of having to go through and like peel back these layers and address these things um, to kind of find well why is my nervous system dysregulated and how can i kind of you know almost just give my like my inner self a hug and kind of like see these experiences and and understand you know well why are you feeling so dysregulated and you know it's definitely nobody's fault ever you know if if you're in a state where you are having any sort of nervous system dysregulation, um, it's totally not your fault. But, it, you know, if you can kind of look at it, and I know it's certainly not easy, it's so much easier to say this than it is to do it. Um, but if you can kind of see it as, well, this is my opportunity to find out why I am experiencing dysregulation and how can I, you know, like tune into yourself and feel, you know, one of the big things for me has been social media. And I started putting really hard boundaries on just looking at social media. Um, and I started to realize every time I go on there, I feel stressed out. And mm. so I started to really just totally rein back in um, how my relationship with social media, how I was viewing it, how, you know, I don't, I almost never scroll anymore. Um, I have this app on my phone called Opal. Um, and actually, go back and listen to the last episode. I talk way more about how I use that app. Um, but recently, I just discovered a new feature where I can put a limit of 20 minutes of, of or, you know, a limit for however long on any app. So now I have a 20-minute limit on social media, and then it makes me take a 20-minute break before it'll let me open the app again. And so now I kind of have this opportunity in, to, like, stop and ask myself, how am I feeling about how I'm consuming social media right now is it triggering me is it making me feel overstimulated or stressed out or is it okay you know maybe take you know a few minutes away from it and come back um but you know so that's just been one thing but it's yeah, go ahead sorry <laughs> well i mean it sounds 
small, but I don't think it's small. I think it's profound because most people don't even realize that some of the things they're doing are putting them into a place of panic. And they yeah. might notice they don't feel as good or they might notice they feel a little bit off or they're a little irritable or they're not sleeping as well or they're not digesting as well, but they don't realize it's because they were scrolling or had a, a thought of comparison or a thought of, I mean, it could even just be the overwhelming nature of the app. It is, there's beauty in it. You know, we've grown our businesses that way. We've connected. That's how our friendship started. But we have to realize that we are exposed to certain things that might be working against us. And like you said, it's our opportunity to think about, well, how can we let this work for us? What if we use it as a place for inspiration and connection and humor and then getting off? 10 minutes, boom, done. If I want to connect more, I'm going to text Maddie or call her or send her a voice memo in a way that's therapeutic and calming. Because I think the connection piece of it is so key. When we talk about dysregulated nervous systems or not feeling safe, part of it could be that people think, well, I just want to connect. And the brain says, sure, grab your phone and you're on Instagram before you even realize what you're doing. Right. Deep down, it's the connection that you're seeking or maybe distracting from what might feel like an overwhelming day. So it's not all bad in the sense of this is this terrible thing destroying us. We want to get back to what's the intention? What are we actually trying to feel when we do certain things? I mean, we could even apply that to certain eating patterns and or a lack of certain eating patterns. What's going on there? Okay. Well, and, and that kind of brings we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but just the, um, someone asked a question on Instagram, um, just for more guidance and information about how to kind of get break out of like the rigidity of your routine. Um, if you're, if you're feeling concerned or worried about having symptoms around other people. Um, and I know that that is definitely something that's something even still that I struggle with because yeah, you know, stepping out of, out of your safe zone. Um, I know for me, I have, I'm like very precious about my routine because that really also helps me to create safety. Um, and I do think, you know, I mean, for, for me, the way that I manage this is by doing as much as I can to create safety in my normal routine so that I have more of like a, you know, my cup is full to be able to go and kind of have more, um, I guess, risky <laughs> experiences. Um, but, you know, for you, like, what are some things that you would say um, to somebody who has that fear of like, well, what if I start experiencing symptoms around others? Yeah. Well, I get this question all the time. And when I put myself back in those shoes, it felt so crushing to to almost feel like home was the only safe place to be, but it also felt like a prison. And similar to what we were just touching on, it was I started to think, well, what what is it really that I want to feel? And and deep down I did want to feel connected. If if I weren't creating such a safe prison space to heal, if I weren't so focused on healing, if these symptoms were not taking up all of my time, how would I like to look back on my life? And it became very clear that 
I actually did want to be around people. I wanted to be having novel experiences and trying things and going places and socializing to a certain extent. I mean, I, I definitely, I, I, I'm a very introverted hermit-like person. I can spend weeks alone and feel so, <laughs> so content, but there is still something within me that craves that kind of, yeah, really what feels like living. So it yeah. was working backwards and thinking about, well, what's the smallest, the smallest step I could take? And that started with having people come over to my house and hang out for a bit. And there was a part of me that felt even overwhelmed with that, thinking, what if they stay too long? What if I start to feel symptomatic? And part of that was realizing, well, can I confidently say, hey, I got a rest. I got some stuff I'm working on. Uh, <laughs> I'll see you later. <laughs> can we can we reconvene at another time? So a big piece of that was realizing that I was allowed to have needs and I was allowed to express them because I think a lot of people feel like, oh, what if I'm invited to a friend's house and oh, I can't eat anything? What if I bring my own food and people think I'm weird? Or, yeah, I'm going to go to a friend's house and I'm going to bring my own food and I'm going to confidently open that up and ask, does anyone want to try this? This is what's working for me right now. And what if someone asks, what are you eating and why? Can I confidently say I'm doing this because I'm working on my gut health? Boom. It's kind of permission to no longer explain yourself and feel like you are a burden and shifting into that mindset of you get to make this work for you. Yeah. And, you know, I think a big piece of it is thinking, well, okay, what, what feels comfortable for you right now or what's on the edge of your comfort zone? And if we think about slowly pushing out and making it bigger and bigger, and sometimes you will choose to scale back, say you push out a little too far, and maybe you do experience a little bit of a flare-up. More often than not, though, People do what they're afraid of. Say they go over to a friend's house for dinner, which can be a really triggering thing. Not only do they feel less symptomatic, the joy, the connection, the conversation, the humor, they might find themselves tolerating foods they didn't expect to, foods that they can't tolerate at home, but also leaving that event feeling nourished in a way that staying home and having the perfect meal could not even touch. And I think collecting those data points and realizing, oh, I can actually do more than I thought I could. Whoa, that's a big piece of it. And letting yourself dream a little bit bigger than what your symptoms might be telling you, because you might have your safe zone of, okay, if I do my day this way, if I eat this way, if I do my castor oil at this time and I you know, put on my blue blockers, then I feel a certain way. But what if life is trying to present you an opportunity to maybe break out of that and to deliver a sense of healing and capability that you didn't realize you had? This actually came up a few times in my healing journey. I joined an improv group and they were meeting. It was a stand-up improv group. And I was so anxious about it at first, Maddie. But deep down, I knew in my soul, I needed something. I needed to get out. I had just moved to a new town. I, I, something deep down was saying, Hey, Teresa, I think, I think you should go for it. I know you're scared, but I think you should go for it. And that's how I knew it was a yes, because it was the voice that was cheering me on. It wasn't, Oh, Teresa, you're too sick. You should stay home and just focus on your symptoms and 
make the perfect meal. And Maddie, oh my gosh, I kid you not, just experiencing that was such a game changer. And I would float out of there feeling like the healthiest normal person I didn't even knew existed. And it started to make me want more of that, not in the sense of, okay, every single night I'm going to be out on the town taking this and doing that and signing up for this. But it was, it was, it challenged what I thought I needed to be healthy and actually reminded my body something in me that there is a world out there that wants you to be healthy too. And it's going to affirm that by you just stepping into it. And yeah. say, okay, say stepping out for two hours feels like way too big of a deal. Why not meet up with a friend and make it unfood related, not food related? Because I hear that as a huge concern. Again, like, well, what if they're going to want to eat? What if they're going to want to order something? I'm not even comfortable going to a restaurant. Okay, don't go to a restaurant. Go for a walk. <laughs> Do something else. <laughs> right. Well, and, you know, it's that's so interesting because I have definitely felt experience the same thing um and i've been really like digging into dopamine lately i've been i've been into that and what i think is so in you know everyone thinks of dopamine as the the, ha the happy oh it makes you happy that's not t the whole picture and at least in the research that i've been looking at lately it seems like what dopamine really the the dopamine connection when you're actually getting dopamine is when you do something that you're afraid of or that is uh, uncomfortable and then you you know you surpass that you get past it you overcome that's where you get this big dopamine boost and that actually is what helps create motivation for you to want that again and so it's that idea of you know exactly what you said of just pushing yourself you know where's that comfort zone and how can you go two steps beyond that or maybe just one step mm -hmm. beyond that and do something that feels a little hard that you're a little bit afraid of but just knowing that you're going to be able to get through that and then you're going to feel awesome after and you're going to be encouraged to next time okay if you went one step out of your comfort zone now what does one and a half steps look like um and you're you're there are immense healing powers in dopamine. Um, mm -hmm. And so just from that biochemical level, there is so much benefit to kind of pushing yourself just a little bit past um, your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, there were moments, and I'm sure our listeners are feeling the same way, that it might be where you're kind of riding that line where you don't really feel comfortable and that's okay. That's building resiliency because what your nervous system starts to learn, and I'm sure this is related to that dopamine system, is that you can be a little bit uncomfortable and that's not going to kill you. In fact, it's probably not even going to flare up your symptoms. And it could also be an opportunity to think about, okay, you know, good enough. Time to leave this party. See you later. Thanks for having me over. You don't need to sit and suffer when you can honor, okay, yep, I'm I'm ready to go. There's there's so many shoulds in our society of, well, you know, you should stay for at least dessert or, you know, you went to this movie, you should stay till the end. But who's to say that you can't make it work for you? And it's letting yourself live your life, not someone else's. If someone judges you or asks you a question or, you know, creates a story about you, 
great, let them do that. <laughs> people are always going to to judge you and and make assumptions. But if you know your truth and you can honor that and confidently walk your path, it opens up a world where you get to not only stay in and have your cozy nights, but you can also make life work for you. And, and that's going to look different. And I would say that the more healed you get, the more comfortable you feel about honoring that. Like I was saying before, I love going out. I love meeting people, but rarely. The rare is the key for me. The majority of the time, I love my evenings of lounge. I love my Friday nights of listening to the fire and just drinking a cup of tea and celebrating in the luxurious slowness. Awesome. Do what works for you. And I find too that, you know, the more honest you are, and the more truthful you are to yourself, you will find this community of people who are accepting of exactly who you are. And that's what you deserve. You know, if if you need to be able to, and, and I get this because I've been there. I've been with that group of friends that, you know, would say, oh, well, you know, she's just crazy because she doesn't eat gluten. Or, you know, I would have these feelings of judgment or, you know, oh, well, she's not drinking because, you know, she blah, blah, blah. It's, it's in her head. Um, and that, you know, I, I get that. And it feels really bad. But the more I finally just decided, like, you know, I am not going to put myself down. I am not going to suffer um, because I care about keeping these particular friends because if they're not willing to accept me where I'm at and if I do need to say hey you know what I am feeling just really overstimulated right now I feel like I'm reacting a little bit or like this is just like this is a little too much for me right now I think I need to just cut this this friend date short and and go home and I'm really sorry if you are with people that are not willing to give you that space in that room, then honestly, like, are they really that good of friends to begin with? You bring up a good point in the sense that the more authentic you are and the more genuine you are and the more vulnerable you are, you're going to weed some people out. And thank goodness, because the friends that stick around want what you want. And I, and I'm sure you've experienced this too, but it's kind of amazing to be like, okay, you know, heading home, we've been here for 20 minutes, but <laughs> I got to go. And the friends that get it, or they don't even get it, but they love you, they say, awesome, thanks for coming out. So good to see you. And it's that's what everyone deserves. And I think if if you have certain relationships where people are playing the card of, oh, you're leaving already? Okay, well, maybe maybe they genuinely want you to be there and there's that part of it, but there's no need to shame someone or blame someone for taking care of themselves and letting yourself be surrounded by people that just want you to be you will enforce more of that in your body of I get to be me. Oh, I'm safe. Wow, I'm safe. Less less symptoms. Oh, less mast cell activity. Whoa, I'm digesting better. Whoa, I'm sleeping better. Whoa, I'm more confident. Ooh, I can take up space. Boom, 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 boom. And it's kind of like this what feels like, yeah, it just feels like rolling out of carpets. <laughs> I'm here. I'm in this body. Sure, it still has some symptoms, but it's no longer this death sentence. It's here. I'm a human. And wow, I'm healthier than I've ever been. And I'm doing things I never thought I could do. And before you know it, 
you might not even be thinking about your symptoms. Yeah, sure, a little bit, maybe thinking about, oh, okay, I want to eat this way. I want to feel this way today, or my body does best with this. But it will get to the point where they're not running your life. And when you choose not to go to a social event or not to go out, it's because you know you and you know that you'd rather stay in. And it's, it's, yeah, it, to me, it feels like freedom. And it's, it's really stepping into knowing yourself and honoring yourself and letting that be the life that you get to look back on. It's, yeah, it, it, that feels like the secret to me thinking about, well, what is it that you want to, what is it that you really want to feel? What is it, th what's the life that you're going to feel so happy when you do that? You know, I imagine as we're, <laughs> as we're leaving this world, we get that flash of our life. You do have some agency here. If, if you're worried about missing out, well, do something about it. If you feel more comfortable doing what you're already doing and feel like that's the life you want to live, can you own it? Yeah. And I think, you know, it's it can be so scary to own your own your stuff. <laughs> um but you know, the the reward on the other side of really stepping into being really authentic is so fantastic. And I think honestly, you know, even if even for people who aren't sick, we are all going through something. And even if people don't share that with you, um, we're all going through some stuff. And a lot of times, at least I've found when I'm able to communicate my needs better to the people that I'm around, they actually really appreciate it because it kind of gives them permission to also communicate their needs. And it just, it creates this environment where everyone feels a lot more safe to really truly be their authentic selves and speak what they need. And that is is so fun, you know? Mm -hmm. And I find that ever since I started trying to be better about that for myself, the friends that I, you being one of them, the friends that I have gained from just being more honest are just top notch, like the mm -hmm. most wonderful people that bring me so much joy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, we're both, we both are introverted people. And I find that, you know, I mean, we've been talking for hours now and I'm, <laughs> I feel so energized and I'm so happy. And, you know, for the most part, when I have long conversations with most people, I'm like, oh gosh, I need to go take a nap now from hanging out with this person. But you know, when you're surrounding yourself with people who you really can, you feel like accept you. And that goes kind of back to creating this environment of safety and just reaffirming that you are safe. Um, even in your friendships and your relationships, you're able to just have these awesome, awesome friendships that feel just so genuine and um, just really fun and just an absolute blessing. And I just love that. And I love you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a good place to wrap up. But really, I think it's it's coming back to honoring where you're at, choosing to empower yourself with seeing this body that you're in as an opportunity to support, seeing these relationships as a chance to grow, maybe like you just discussed, Maddie, a chance to really be around people that regulate you, that inspire you, that energize you. We don't need to be doing things that are adding to our stress bucket. The whole point of this 
is to learn that you are allowed to feel better in the ways that work for you. So cheers to that. I mean, truly, I I love our conversations and I'm glad we're bringing them to the public. (laughs) I love them too. I'm so excited. And just, I would have you on the podcast every week if you want it to be. So whenever. (laughs) Stay tuned. Stay tuned for a, yeah, I think that's a a collaboration. Um, Well, so we, you know, we could talk forever and ever, but we'll go ahead and wrap this episode up for now. And until next time, thank you, Teresa, just absolutely so, so, so much. Um, before I sign off, I just want to plug um, all of your amazing stuff so people can find you. It's at Living Roots Wellness is your Instagram. And then Tapping with T is your app, your fantastic tapping app, which I love and use all the time. Um, And I was showing it to my mom while we were together. I was like, you got to check this out. It's so wonderful. Um, And so if you need, if you're interested in tapping, if you want to learn more about tapping, which I think is such a accessible and wonderful way to get started with nervous system regulation, um, Teresa's app is on the, is it on Google, Android? Yes. Wherever you download, download, that was an interesting, (laughs) wherever you download apps and you can even just sign up go to tappingwitht.com, sign up there, and then download the app and just use the same email login if that's easier for you. But yeah, if it, it should show up. Awesome. I love it. And it's super great. So check that out. And wait, you are you have a special, right? For, the, for a little um, bit longer? Pay such good attention. For the next, until February 23rd, the code NEWYEAR23, all caps, no S, NEWYEAR23, is 23% off the first three months of the app. I know, kind of random. It was a New Year's special and people were loving it. So I thought, why not extend it for 23 more days just because the numbers work. But yeah, if you are not sure about tapping, there's still the free seven-day trial. And I think that's that's always fun to try because it doesn't necessarily have to be with me. Different practitioners have different styles, but I think it's one of the most valuable tools I've found to regulate the nervous system pretty darn quickly. The studies show that it can improve heart rate variability, allow for cortisol levels to return to normal, certain inflammatory markers normalize. It's pretty incredible. And I, I would say keep your skepticism too, but try it out and see how your body responds because like Maddie and I were talking about, it's all about finding the tools that work for you in the moments they feel relevant. Now might not be the time. No worries. Okay, if there's an interest or a, ooh, that could sound like it might be fun or interesting or helpful for me, get after it. Now's the time. Now's the time. And you <laughs> always get that seven-day free trial. So if you just want to, like, go check it out, if you have no idea what tapping is, go try some videos. It's super fun and awesome. Um, and then New Year is the the code. New Year 23. New Year 23. You get 23% off for three months. That's awesome. And Mm -hmm. for everybody, I'm going to have that in the description. So don't worry about remembering it. It'll be down there for you to read. Um, Anyway, we're going to sign off now, Teresa. Thank you so, so, so much for being here. And I can't wait to talk to you again very soon. Likewise, Maddie. My bladder is full, but this was so worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to to empty our bladders. Until next time. (laughs) 